Lord, in truth, I have nothing but you, O Christ. Nothing that I might call my own. So let that good confession now compel a better stewardship. First, teach me to treasure you, Jesus, above all things. Then let that increasing devotion be increasingly demonstrated in a joyful generosity. For to give is to live out the declaration that you alone are my provision and supply. I need not fear what comes tomorrow. When I give to meet the needs of others, when I give to the work of those who serve the poor, the sick, the oppressed, when I give to the church and the service of your body and your kingdom, I give not what is mine, but I give what already is yours. With each charitable act, I'm simply practicing the fact that nothing which passes through my hands has ever belonged to me. You are a generous master. Make me your faithful trustee, teaching me to live in a and a wiser conduit of this liberal grace that you give, learning to hold loosely of the things of this world, never hoarding that which is yours, never seeking the mean uh, uh, per, uh, preservation, per, per, the mean um, way to preserve my own comfort, Lord. Rather, let me move well in my giving, even as you, O oh Father, have loved me so well by giving me all things in Christ. Lord, it's so great to be able to come to your throne of grace to know that you're the one that's in charge. You're the one that's in control. You're the one that is sovereign. Lord, we love you. I pray this morning that you would teach us from your word, that we'd be able to learn from you, and that we'd be inspired by you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to jump right into the scripture here this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Yeah, look, it's coming up on the screen. Way to go, tech team. Good job, guys. All right, if you would read this with me, uh, read along with me as I read. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give as he's declared in his own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your, righteous, of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service which you have uh, approved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and that your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for, for, for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Anybody here ever done anything stupid? Anybody here have a problem with lying? Y'all, they're not raising your hand. Anybody ever done anything stupid with money? Anybody? Okay, yeah. Yeah, if you're over 10 years old, you've done something stupid uh, with money. This morning, when we look at God's word, and Pastor Smiley last week uh, created a great foundation about giving and generosity and about being a cheerful giver. This morning, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and the reason why scriptures talk so much about money and possessions isn't because God needs the money. You know that, right? He doesn't need money. He, he, he owns it all. 
The reason why God in Scripture talks so much about money and possessions over 2,400 verses is because God knows that our wallets are directly connected to our hearts. And so he wants us to have a connection to him. And so this morning, I think this message is going to be so great because it's talking about winning. You guys like winning? I like being on the winning team. I like winning. I like cheering for win winners. I like being a winner. I like uh, figuring out ways to win. And this morning, the point is that everyone wins when you give 10, and we're going to have an action step of being a winner. So I want you to uh, come here with an open heart to hear what God's Word has to say about having a, a good financial plan that will honor Him. But not only that, we'll see Him get the glory through our actions. Everyone wins when you give 10. In Malachi 3, it says, says this, Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how, uh, uh, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw up in the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Wow. That sounds pretty cool. The only place in Scripture where God comes right out and says, test me in it. If God says to test him in something, we probably should, right? And he says if we test him in bringing our tithes and offerings, if we test him in that, then he'll open up the floodgates of blessing. That sounds uh, pretty good, doesn't it? It's really interesting that the happiness that we feel from a particular event it diminishes each time we experience that event. It's a phenomenon known as hedonic adaption. But according to uh, the University of Chicago uh, psychology department, they did a study and they said that giving to others, when you give to others, that happiness does not decrease every time you do it. In fact, it increases. There's something about giving that helps our heart be closer to God because he is the ultimate giver. He is the one that gave us ultimate sacrifice. And so when God says, test me in this, can we do it on our own? No, we can't because we, we want to hold on to our stuff. We're sinful people, and that's why we desperately need Jesus. That's why we desperately need him to show up in our finances, in our relationships, in our world, because his math is completely different. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? If you have 100% and you take away 10%, you have what? 90%. Good job. You guys are awake this morning. But in God's math, if you have 100% and you give back 10% and you add God in there, somehow it equals more. Somehow it equals more blessing. Somehow it equals more overflowing. And I love that when we give, when we tithe, everyone wins. You win because you get to experience his goodness. And, and God wins because he's the one that's getting the glory from it. And the church wins because we're able to see more and more people come to know Jesus. We're able to uh, do things in our community, in our world that we wouldn't have been able to do before. I love that God is so gracious with us in the tithe of it being 10%. I mean, it could have been 7% or 13%, and then we have to have a calculator every time we're, we're trying to figure it out. But 10% is pretty easy to figure out. But as a church, uh, as a whole in America, do you know that Americans only give 2.8%? 
And if you make more money, if you make over $100,000 a year, you actually give less. You give 2.6% away. And that's not particularly God-honoring. It doesn't particularly follow what God's Word says. So I want you to hear from a person this morning that took that challenge seriously. This is Jimmy Provenza, and he has a, a short testimony here about how he took the challenge, how he took the test from God, and God opened up the blessing. So here is uh, Jimmy's testimony. My name is Jimmy Provenza, uh, and after hearing Smiley's message last week on the tithe challenge, I just wanted to share with you a brief story about how it's impacted uh, my wife and I's life. Uh, I know that a couple of you from, from Wogal Village have heard the first half of this before, so I'll be brief, but a few years ago, my wife and I were tithing uh, intermittently, and Andy gave a message on the tithe challenge, and we decided uh, to, to try it, um, and uh, it, within a few months, God had paid us back through various unexpected windfalls in an amount that was almost exactly 10% of our income, which I didn't think was a coincidence. Um, and about six months later, I got an unexpected uh, mid-year raise uh, at work that was also uh, around 10%. Um, and we were really excited and happy with those blessings that God had given us. And we continued to, to tithe faithfully. Um, the rest of the story is really good, I promise. It's, it's, it's really awesome. Well, it's, it's just amazing to see how God shows up. And Jimmy told me some of the story. And and as he poured out more blessings to God, God returned it to him in different ways through different situations. And it's so cool to see how God moves through that and does that. And the scripture that I started off this morning, the main scripture that we started off this morning, it was a challenge to the church in Corinth. And we certainly can apply it to our lives. See, they, uh, the church in Jerusalem was really struggling. And they needed help. And they needed support. And they needed to be uplifted. They needed those to, to help them. But they couldn't do it on their own. So Paul challenged the church in Corinth to be able to raise more funds so that the, the church in Jerusalem would thrive. And so the church in Corinth had promised to do that. They promised to be generous. And so Paul was checking on them. He had already written a letter to them a year before challenging them to give. And now he's checking on them to make sure that they're going to do that, to make sure that they're going to give, to make sure that they're going to fulfill what their promise is. Because some of human nature and our sinfulness is that we can sometimes just do the bare minimum and not go above and beyond. And so Paul was making sure the Corinth church was going above and beyond in their giving. And in his challenge to the Corinth church, he's challenging us too as believers. The first couple uh, verses here. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, what it says here, we, this is an act of worship between you and God. Nobody here at Good News is going to come tracking you down and say, where's your tithe? How come you didn't give? No elder is going to call you. I'm not going to text you and say, didn't you hear my message? Why didn't you give? This is between you and God. And, and there's some some ways here it says that we should give and, and not give, not begrudgingly, not sparingly, not reluctantly. I mean, think about the word sparingly. If I say, spare my life, I mean, let me live. Don't, don't take it from me. Don't, don't, don't remove it. And that's the same thing. When we give sparingly, we're, we're holding it back. 
Farmers and gardeners understand this really well. And actually, you probably don't even need to be a farmer or a gardener to understand this. That if you only sow a, a few seeds, you shouldn't expect 10,000 crops to come up. Right? It, the, the amount of seeds that we sow directly affect how much crop comes up. And so that's what Paul is talking about here is that he's talking about sowing out seed and seeing the crops, seeing the blessings come up. And listen, I, I know that the American church especially has been very affected by the prosperity gospel. And I'm not up here claiming this to you. I'm not up here saying, listen, name it and claim it, brothers and sisters. If you sow a little bit of seed, it's going to come back to you tenfold, a hundredfold. It's going to come back to you financially, dollar for dollar, more and more, more and more. No, I don't think that's what Scripture says. But Scripture says that he is going to pour out an abundance of blessings. It may be a financial blessing. It may be that he's going to bless you even more so that you can continue to be a blessing financially. But it may be spiritual blessings. It may be blessings in, in your relationship. It may be that your relationship with him becomes more real because you're stepping out in faith. I know for certain God says that he, he loves a cheerful giver because he himself is a giver. Everyone wins when you give 10. And it's interesting when it talks about cheerful giver, it comes from the Greek word hilarious. Isn't that cool? It's the word hilarious, and it means what? Hilarious. It's really fun to give. I'm going to show you this right now. I want to see if there's anyone here, maybe first or second or third time here, that really likes very good, sweet things. Yeah? Okay, yeah, I saw your hand. Your hand went right up, right away. We're so glad that you're here this morning. And so this is what happens when you're bold. You get that. There you go. All right, praise God, right? See, see how much fun this is to give? It's hilarious. It's cheerful. It's fun. And I believe that study is right because Scripture is right. Scripture says that when we give, it is awesome. I could give away a thousand cakes. I mean, it's so fun to be able to give. And he wants us to be a cheerful giver because we win when we give. He doesn't need our money. He's not poor. He doesn't need us. In fact, he's the great giver. He's the fountain. He's the father. He's flowing with the, with the blessings that come out. And he wants you to be able to experience what it's like to be close to him and his heart. Verse 7, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's fun to give. You win when you give. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, he scattered abroad the gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and you will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion, and, th and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I mean, there's a lot of great things here. That he is the one that's actually providing the seed for us to sow out. Because how much of the money that we have in our bank accounts is God's? How much? Is it 10%? Oh, okay, okay, good. I thought it was just 
No, it's, it's all of it. He gives us all of that seed. Any blessing that we have is from God. And that's the cool thing is Paul is quoting from, from Psalm uh, 112. He's saying, listen, all of the resources that you have, all the blessings that you have, they're all God's anyway. And he's saying that you can take that seed and sow it out and spread it out and that he's going to multiply it. That that blessing is going to go out and we're going to be able to be more generous with our resources, with our time, with our energy, with everything that God has given us. It points us back to him when we acknowledge that the storehouse that we have, any savings account that we have, any 401k that we have, any money that we have, any resources that we have, any material things that we have, any blessings that we have are actually all his. When we recognize that, and we give him the glory for what he has done. It actually helps us. We win because we're focused back on the giver. And God wins because he gets the glory that he deserves to get. Because he is the one that's the great giver. The verse, the passage continues on. This service you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you approved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your uh, confession of the gospel of Christ, for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers and for their hearts, he will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The gift, the picture of the gift that God has given us through his son, the picture of Jesus on the cross is such an amazing picture of generous giving. He gave everything. He gave his life. He sacrificed it all so that we could have eternal life, so that we could have blessings upon blessings because of the work that he has done. 21 years of my life, I, I ran from God. I felt empty, no real joy at all. I couldn't even imagine being a cheerful giver in Christ because I didn't know Christ at all. See, there's a real difference in giving with religion and the gospel. Religion says that we have to give to be loved. If you give, then God will love you. But with the gospel, when we understand how much we are loved by God, it just comes out of overflowing for us. We're just so thankful that we want to give back. We want to give back to our church. We want to give back to God because it's all his anyway. Are you staggered by the way that he has blessed you? Are you staggered by the way that he loves you, by the way that he has, has worked in your life? When we are, we can see that, that everyone wins when we give. We win because we're able to focus uh, on him. He wins because he gets the glory. And the church wins because we're a rescue station for people. And because we're a rescue station for people, it's great to see generosity come in our church so that we can accomplish what God has put us here even more. You know, you look over at this big uh, pile of life rings here. And if you're new here, each one of these life rings indicates someone that professed faith in Christ. And I'm so grateful as I look at these life rings that all of these lives have been changed because of the generosity that you have given. If you're not, if you're not giving your tithes and offerings, then we as a church can't function in that way to see people one to Christ. 
I think about the 95 church plants around the world that you are partner with. I just think about people all around the world that are affected by, by your generosity. And I see uh, uh, Pastor Gary and his family here. Man, I'm so glad that he's here. It's awesome to be able to have him here. And part of the reason why he's here is because of the generosity that, that you have given uh, to your church. And I'm so grateful for that. There's people serving all over the place. When I see uh, the, the two-minute grill up here with two eighth graders, and it's amazing to me to see how the next generation is empowered to serve the Lord. When I see Ava speaking from wisdom way beyond her years, leading us in worship, that's a beautiful thing that God allows us to do because of the generosity that you have given. I mean, listen to this one testimony from one of our members here named John. He said, thank you so much. For, for all Good News Church does. We searched for a church home, and then we became really discouraged and even drifted away. But the first Sunday that we attended Good News, we knew this is where we needed to be, and we invited many friends over the years. Thank you. I just love things like that because we see people serving everywhere in their giftedness. We see the body of Christ come together, and this is a unique place, the church, where we can all use our giftedness for God's glory so that other people can come to know him and other people are transformed. We've been talking a lot this year on our disciple-making adventure about making disciples. And our definition of a disciple is a follower of Christ who loves Jesus, who loves the lost, and loves one another. And when you give, when you generously give, everyone wins because Jesus gets the glory. The lost come to know Jesus and they feel welcomed here. And then we get to love one another well through the generosity of others that we get to care for each other. Everyone wins when you give 10. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that our country is in a moral freefall? You know, when I look around, I see not very many places giving truth. Where else besides the church are we going to find truth? How are we going to know what's right from wrong? How are we going to know where to find uh, real truth other than from the Word of God? I mean, listen, the, the things that were unthinkable in this world have completely changed. I mean, things that were once unthinkable like same-sex marriage or having more than two genders or cohabitating before marriage, those things were unthinkable. Now they're unquestionable. And the things before that were unquestionable, like marriage and, and gender, are now unthinkable. And so who is going to be the pillar of grace and truth and love if it's, if it's not the church? See, we're called here to a very high calling to proclaim God's truth. And it's not always going to be easy. And there's going to be criticism. And there's going to be persecution. And there's going to be things that we come under. But that doesn't change what our mission is. We are a rescue station. We're here to proclaim God's truth. We're here to proclaim his love. And we believe that the Bible is the word of God. And we want to empower you as parents so that you raise disciples that make disciples. That's what our student ministry is all about. Yes, they have a great time learning about God. But they're learning about God and applying what they learn in Scripture to have their lives changed. Where else is doing that? besides the church. See, see, everyone wins when you give 10 because we're able to do even more of that. I love that 
you can be a winner. Isn't that awesome? You can be a winner. When you give 10 on Sunday, you can be a winner all week long, and that's so important. There's so many people that struggle in their finances. You know that 70% of America is living paycheck to paycheck. 52% of marriages end in divorce, and those that divorce within the first seven years, 90% say that money problems cause their marriage to end. I said, my, my heart is broken for people that struggle so much financially, and because they struggle, they, they have their lives affected, their lives torn apart, and that's why as a beacon of truth, Hearing God's word, being a rescue station, we need to follow what God's plan is. And I think about when people ask for, for counseling in their marriage. 99% of the time, it's either intimacy or money. Not following what God's plan is for, for, your, for your financial freedom in your life. I know some of you are thinking, well, if I just make a little bit more, then I'll, I'll give then. But it doesn't really work that way, does it? I mean, as we make more, it's actually more and more difficult to give 10. I mean, I think about with my kids, if we, ha we have these little drawers where they put in uh, what they're going to spend and what they're going to tithe and what they're going to save. And when they get a dollar, tithing a dime, eh, not that hard. What, do you, what can you buy for a dime? Can't buy anything. But when a grandparent or when they're doing babysitting or whatever and they get $10, now they're going to part with a dollar? See, that's the way our mindset is, is that we don't trust God in the beginning. It's going to be hard for us to take the next step. And so many of you, many of you are unbelievably generous. Many of you give tithes and offerings. I want to encourage you to keep going. Keep going. We're a part of a community here uh, where we're making a difference in St. John's County and beyond. So keep going in your generosity. Some of you need to take a step. Some of you have never tied before. Take that step. Take the step to see if God won't pour out those blessings. I want to end uh, this message with a clip from Schindler's List. We'll see if this, this plays. If not, we'll, we'll talk through it another way. But I want you to, to watch this. It's a really powerful clip about Oscar Schindler realizing that he could have done even more to save people. So here's that clip. Because of you, look at them. The 
if I made more money. <laughs> I threw away so much money. <laughs> you have no idea. If I just... I will be generations because of what you did. I didn't do enough. You did so much. Why did I keep the car? Ten people right there. Ten people. Ten more people. This pin. Two people. This is gold. Two more people. You would have given me two for At least one. You would have given me one. One more person. A person stand for this. I could have got one more person, and I didn't. I, I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this clip multiple times for the last uh, couple weeks and to think about all the atrocities that happened in Auschwitz and so many other concentration camps and how those Jews' lives were spared because of radical generosity by Oscar Schindler. I started thinking about the situation that we live here in St. John's County. So many people have no idea who Jesus is. And because of that, they are going to face eternal death. Away from God. For all eternity. Away from him. Forever. Have I done all that I can to be able to reach them? Have I done all that I can to be able to transform them? No. Far from it. I believe that God is calling us to be a radically generous church. He has blessed us as a church immensely. And our neighbors and our coworkers, they need to be saved. They need to be transformed. And so, would you join us? Would you join us in being a radically generous church? Let me just see here this morning. If you love to be even more generous, if you love to say, God, bless me so that I could be a blessing, would you just raise your hand right now? Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I want to be more radically generous with my time, my resources, and my money because people's lives are on the line. Everyone wins when you give 10. You win because you get to draw closer to God. God wins because he gets the glory that he's deserved. The church wins because we're able to stay on mission. You ready to be a winner? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the power of the gospel in the lives of those that are here. 
Lord, I pray for those that don't know you, that they would come running to you, realizing that you are a generous giver. You are the one that laid down your life after you lived a perfect life and you died on the cross and you rose from the dead so that, so that if we believe in, in you, we will have eternal life. Many people here have experienced that goodness, have experienced that richness in, his, in the giftedness that you have given us, the blessings that you've given us. Lord, help those blessings to overflow. Help us to bless others as you bless us. Help us to be winners in you. Help us to be able to make a difference in our community, in our world. In Jesus' name, amen.